Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. It's my privilege and honour this morning uh, to finish up our Planted series. I started it and then I served in kids for three weeks in the middle and now I get to finish it. So I'm really excited um, about this today. Um, I shared with you on the first week, my, I was very vulnerable with you, and I shared with you my deepest, darkest secret, I'm useless with plants and gardening and anything of the like. But this week, I found the perfect plant for me. Watch the video. It's like, run, plant, run, she's coming. How cool is that? <laughs> it's my plant. I'd like to also thanks, um, give thanks to those um, who over the last few weeks have tried to come and rescue me and save me and try to get me into the ways of gardening. Uh, bit of a lost cause, but I do thank you. <laughs> uh, Ryan, when I preached last time, took, Ryan Sumner took the sunflower seeds that I used And this is proof that even though I have touched a seed, something can still grow. Look at that. That is the sunflowers in their early days. And maybe we'll see some pictures of the full-blown giant Russian, whatever it was I bought from the warehouse thing. We started out in Psalm 92, planted in the house, we will flourish That's what we started with. And we're going to finish up in John 15. We're going to shift the focus from being planted corporately in a church to being intimately and continually connected, not to the church, but to Jesus. Um, Question, if you knew you only had a short time to live, uh, what would your last words be? What profound things might you say to your loved ones? Uh, There was one family that captured the last words of their loved one on his tombstone, said this, I told you I was sick. (laughs) Well, in John 15, near the end of his life, it is near the end of Jesus' life, and he knows it in this part of the book. He's had his final meal with his disciples. Judas has gone off to betray him. He's only got hours left with his team because he knows that the Roman uh, people are coming. And he's with his disciples, and he's setting them up with these final words for his disciples. And this is what I want you to know, guys. And he's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an urgency about these words. There's a listen up to these words. And he starts off in chapter 14, and he says, I'm going. And the disciples are like, what? They don't get it. And then he keeps going. He says, I'm going, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come when I'm gone. And the disciples are like, what? They don't get it. And then we get to John 15. Now, what I'd like us to do today is we're all going to read it together. Can we do this, Equipus Christchurch? I think we can. Let's read it all together. Ready? Go. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Next slide. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Those were his last words. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the words of life that are written in your book. And I thank you that they came from the one, the person who can give us life. So this morning I pray that you would add your super to my natural. Let your words flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So those were his last words. We're going to pick these apart a little bit. In verse 1 he says, I am the true vine. There's a grapevine on the left there. What does Jesus mean by that? I am the true vine. What's the fake vine? In the Old Testament, a vine or a picture of a vine was always connected to the nation or people of Israel. And so when Jesus says to the disciples, I am the true vine, they would have immediately, the vine would have immediately gone, oh, that's us, the Jewish people, Israel. See, God wanted his, had wanted all along for his people to flourish and be fruitful and, and, and be everything that God had designed them to be. But they had been disobedient and they had screwed up time and time and time again. But God did not give up on them. He still had a purpose for them. And they had, it was like the, the vine of the, the Jewish people had become shriveled and dried up and not producing fruit because it was based on religion and doing things and it was sucking the life out of people. And Jesus came and said, and he kind of stands on that old vine and he says, I'm the true vine. I'm the real deal. I'm the genuine article. I've come to take over the responsibilities from the Jewish people and the Jewish faith to me. That's what he was saying to his disciples. Your identity in the past has been connected to the Jewish nation and the Jewish religion. Your new identity is going to be continually connected to me. I am now the true vine. Oh, quick time out. Time out. Truth for us. When we say get planted, it's not, don't, it's not planted in religion. It's not planted in equippers as a church. Get this? Because it's so easy to fall into the trap of ritual religion. We come every Sunday, we tick that box. We raise our hands in worship, we tick that box. We people please, we rule keep. We attempt to look good enough for God. And much of our religious activity today has got nothing 
to do with anything. It's a cheap anesthetic to deaden the pain of an empty life. Instead of that religious complexity, Jesus is shifting to a simple truth. Your identity, your identity comes from being continually connected to me in a vital and fresh and day-to-day relationship with me. Say to your neighbor, it's about being continually connected. You can imagine when he gave the disciples that message, it was revolutionary. It was, it was mind-blowing. You think they didn't get the fact he was going and that the Holy Spirit was coming? Now he's saying, I'm the true vine. Your, your religion you leave behind. Now you connect yourself to me. They would have been going, what the flip is that about now? I want to introduce to you Boris. Say, hi, Boris. I've got a friend. There he is. I've got a friend in um, St. John's, and I rang him earlier on this week and said, hey, Blair, I need a CPR dummy. I was actually thinking of just a half one, but then he turned up at my house yesterday with, or day before, with Boris. Even I got freaked out by Boris. He was sitting in my lounge up against the wall and I came out of the hallway and he was sitting there and I went, oh! And then I, I'm, okay, I'm going to put you in the back of my car because you're freaking me out in here. And then Tico went to get, put something in my car and he got freaked out because Boris was in the back of my car and his legs were sort of up like this. And um, Boris, Boris is going to be my helper today. CPR. We're going to use that acronym, CPR, to unpack the rest of the verses this morning. Like CPR is a medical intervention to keep blood and oxygen pumping around the body until medical people can get there and do their thing. This passage is like CPR to our faith. It's like pumping life around us as we learn to be connected And so Boris is going to help us out today. So C of CPR is the concept. The concept is remaining. And it's in verses 4 to 7. We're going to read verses 4, these verses again. I want you to read the words in yellow, and I'm going to read the ones in white. Ready? Go. In me, and I will. In you. For a branch cannot be fruitful unless you... Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who in me and I and them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Next slide. Anyone who does not in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you in me and my words in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you see a repeated word in scripture, it is there for a reason. And it's eight times in four verses. Jesus says, remain, 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 remain. It's the concept of connectedness. Remain is, the Greek word is meno. And it means this, not to depart, to be continually present, to endure, to last, to stick around. Some of the old translations, some of you will know is the word abide. When you abide in me. It's more than just believing. 
It's more than just believing. It's being continually connected in that intimate relationship with Jesus. Verse 4 says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. Now, <clears throat> that phrase is written in what they call, there are two voices in Greek. There's an active voice and a passive voice. This is written in the active voice. And the active voice means there's an expectation that you've got to do something. Um, passive voice is what I like to call bystander syndrome. Now, Tiku and I did um, a first aid course a few years ago together, and the lady told us this, that when someone, you know, collapses maybe on the ground, often people will just stand around and they, they, because they just freeze. They don't know what to do. They freeze and they, they oh, um, oh, someone better call someone, and does anyone know how to do CPR? And, and they just don't know what to do. It's called bystander syndrome. It happens all the time. And she said to us, the way that you overcome bystander syndrome is you stop and you say to yourself, this is an emergency, I must act. This is an emergency, I must act. Right, Boris, you're, I don't know, how do you, oh yeah, I got two hands, can't, I haven't got two hands. This is an emergency, I must act. And weeks afterwards, we were joking around anything that happened, you know, cut your finger. This is an emergency. I must act. Band-aid, stat. <laughs> the truth is, isn't it, that sometimes we are bystanders in our own lives. That we actually stand, we actually stand and we look at our own life and we know that things aren't right. We know that there's... Our faith is stagnating. We know that it's maybe deteriorating. We know that it's eroding. But we freeze. We're helpless. We're bystanders of our own demise. The active voice in verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. The active voice is that phrase, this is an emergency. I must act. Remain in me and I will remain in you. It's that beautiful two-way. If we remain in him, he remains in us. And that is like life being pumped around. <coughs> Tico can hear my voice. I'm sorry, we've been married 24 years. <laughs> Verse 5 carries on with the picture Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. It's this picture of continual connectedness, isn't it? It's this, it's this picture of closeness. You can't have a branch over here and a vine over here. They're connected. It's this picture of intimate relationship. It's this picture of belonging and being grafted in. <coughs> When I moved to Fiji in 1993, if you can believe it, it's how old I am, there was no internet, was no, no email, um, television had just started one channel, 3pm to 10pm every day. Um, the only way to communicate with the outside world from Fiji was to either ring, which was really expensive, or fax, didn't I remember a fax? Yes. I remember faxing my mum once saying, can you tell me how to roast a chicken? Because I don't know. 
um, or, or snail mail. You wrote a letter. That was it. And I remember in the first six months I was there, I was in a new country, new ministry, I had no friends there, no family. My family were living in, um, where were they, Hong Kong, I think, at that point. <clears throat> and I, I, was, I just got really lonely. And I felt disconnected. I felt disconnected from my family. I felt disconnected from my friends because I wasn't able to communicate as often as I wanted to. And I remember ringing my parents crying, going, I'm so, I'm so lonely. You know, they did the most awesome thing for me. Every two weeks on a Wednesday at 10 o'clock, they would call from Hong Kong and they just talked to me for 10 minutes. And it was all I needed for that disconnection to go, that, that connectedness needed to come back. We are the branches And we need to keep connected to the vine because the life force that comes from the vine from Jesus oozes out of that vine and out into the branch. And where you are lacking, where you are weak, where you are feeling inadequate, the life force of Jesus will ooze and flood you with what you lack, with who he is. If you're fearful, you go, I'm fearful, but I'm connected to the vine. And so you hear the words of Jesus, fear not, I am with you, I've called you, you are mine. And security flows and oozes through to you. You're feeling insecure today. You say, no, no, I'm, I'm, but I'm connected to the vine. And so the security of Jesus flows and oozes through to you. Are you holding unforgiveness today? You, you go, but I'm, I'm really struggling to forgive this person, but Jesus, I know I'm connected to you in the vine and and you hear the words of Jesus forgive others because I've forgiven you and the life force of Jesus comes through and you I'll help you do that I'll help you forgive are you confused you've got decisions to make and you go I just don't know which way to go you're connected to the vine and so the life force and the wisdom of Jesus will ooze and flood through to you and you will know what to do and you will produce clarity you see, the, 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 the life that's contained in Jesus is not an intermittent flow. He doesn't stop and start according to how good you are. He just, it just flows all the time, consistently. The only thing that determines how much we get is how connected we are. So meno, meno is to remain You take a branch from a tree, you remove it from the tree, and eventually it'll shrivel up and die. Now, it's not an instant death, but it will die. I picked this yesterday. I killed it. That's right, I did. (laughs) I picked this yesterday. For all intents and purposes, it still looks pretty good. Pretty green, still a few flowers there but this is dying because it's not connected. And isn't that what our faith is sometimes like? We disconnect ourselves and no one knows. It still all looks good. And we could go a little bit longer and no one knows. Still looks pretty good. But you leave it long enough and eventually... You get to this, where it's dry, crusty, brown. This is really dead. You know what 
it's a rare thing for any relationship. Whether relationship with Jesus or relationship with anyone else, it's a rare thing for it to instantly break down. It's always a slow erosion over time, always. Little things that are overlooked or not dealt with, neglected, gradually just pick away at the relationship until finally it's what you're left with. You get yourself out of the life force of Jesus by disconnecting yourself from the vine. You might look good for a while, but eventually the death will start to show. And my encouragement to you today is pay attention to the little things in your life. Pay attention to the little things you might overlook or rationalize or justify away. Pay attention to those. That's the start of the erosion. So the concept is remaining. This is an emergency. I must act and remain. Sorry, Boris. And remain. In Christ. So if that's the concept, here's CP, P for process. The process is pruning. So let's go back to verse 1. We need to just unpack a little, a little bit first. Have we got first? Yeah. I am the true vine, that's Jesus talking, and my father is the gardener. Had you ever noticed that? Jesus is the vine, but he's not the one who does the pruning. It's God. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce more fruit. Those words in there, cut off and pruning, The word cut off, and there'll be a slide come up that's going to have the Greek there. The word cuts off is the word airo, A-I-R-O. And it doesn't actually mean cut off. If you read the Passion Translation, they've actually um, translated this more correctly. It actually means lift up. So you can imagine the gardener on the grapevine coming along and there's a, there's a branch that has fallen down and it's dragging on the ground. You're not going to produce fruit if you're dragging on the ground. And so the gardener will come and lift that branch up so that it can produce. And then the word pruning on the other side, it's got that same root word in it of iro, kathiro. It means to cut off what isn't needed. It means to, to, um, to remove dirt, to cut away, to cleanse and clean. The Passion's Translation says it like this, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful, fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So when it comes to our CPR, we are to stay connected, men know, but we are also to prune and let the gardener prune us. It's what keeps the life flowing. Right, so even though plants are not my things, <clears throat> I do sometimes watch gardening shows. Mainly in the vain hope that one day some of it might rub off. It hasn't yet but one day maybe. And I do know from watching gardening shows that pruning is supposed to be a good thing. 
But when I go out and prune, I have all the right equipment, I have gloves, I have secateurs, I think I know what I'm doing, I get out there and I actually just probably hack and I'm probably doing more harm than good. And actually I was looking out at my roses, which I probably haven't pruned for a couple of years, but anyway, I was looking out at my roses and, and I looked at some pruning that I know I did a couple of years ago and then nothing growing, nothing. It's like a dead bit of the plant because I don't know what I'm doing. So it's my responsibility to equip you all this morning with good pruning knowledge and advice. Better living, everybody. Watch this video. Hi, I'm Stefano Watson, owner of Avio Vineyards in Sutter Creek, California. Uh, this time of year, we're busy pruning the vineyard. And uh, in terms of winemaking, the pruning really is the most important part of the winemaking process. Because what we do in the vineyard here at the beginning of the year is, has huge ramifications on the quality of the wine that we're making. So what I want to start off first with is really defining what uh, the parts of the grapevine of what we've got. We've got the, the trunk, and then we've got the cordons, and there's really, you know, or the arms. And there's, on this system, there are two arms because it's a dual cordon trellis system. Coming out of the cordon then are the spurs, and then from the spurs we have the canes, and that's where the grapes come off of, is on the canes each year. And so what we're doing now is grapes only come off of second year wood, we call it. So we have to prune back last year's wood so we can get new grapes on this right now. So what we're looking for off of each spur is to prune down to one cane. And on each cane, we prune to two buds. Each bud will then grow into a cane itself. And each cane then has two clusters. All right, so here's the spur. And so from last year, this is last year's wood, or the year before last. And then where we pruned, we wound up getting one cane coming off of here, which was originally was a bud, and then this one here. So this year, we want to go down to one cane. We prune there, and there's one bud at the base and one bud here, and we prune here. Then this bud will turn out to be a brand new cane for this year. And one will come off here at the base and come on up, and each cane will produce two clusters of grapes. It looks pretty vicious, eh? Hey? Pruning can be a drastic process. Uncomfortable, but necessary. Sometimes you might feel like you're just left with a little stump. But... What Jesus wants you to know today is that stump has buds on it. Because the gardener never prunes like I do without knowledge. The gardener prunes carefully and he cuts away the last year's wood so that fruit can grow on the new wood. And I'm going to ask you this morning, what is there in your life that needs to be pruned? Are there things in your life that are taking up nutrients? Cut. Are there things in your life that are blocking the sunshine? Cut. Are there things that you are doing that are time-wasting activities? Cut. 
Are there destructive relationships that you are involved in? Cut. Is there sinful behavior? Cut. Are there things that are getting in the way of your growth? Cut. Are there wrong attitudes? Cut. You see, the gardener always prunes with purpose, and he does it with a soft touch. It's not a cut down. It's a cut back. Say it to your neighbor. It's not a cut down. It's a cut back. God isn't cutting you down or pruning you because he's done with you. He's cutting you back because he's got something more in store. The truth about pruning is that if you get a cut back, it means you're coming back. It means your joy is coming back. It means your peace is coming back. It means your patience is coming back. It means your self-control is coming back. It means your purpose is coming back. It's not a cut down. It's a cut back because there's better coming. And what's the tool? What's the sharp tool that is used to do the cutting? In verse 3, it says you have already been not pruned. You have already been pruned. I was thinking of prunes then. That's not right. You have already been pruned and purified, look, by the message I have given you. And then in verse 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you. The tool that the gardener uses is the words of Jesus Christ in his book, but also the rhema word of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. And we hear, we see something in the Bible and it cuts us like a surgeon would cut. And we have encounters with God and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and it cuts us and it prunes away the things that don't need to be there. So when we're continually connected The concept is remaining. That pumps life through. The process is pruning. And the last thing, CPR, is result. The result is fruit. I want you to note the graduation of the fruit words in this passage. I think the next slide should have it, hopefully. Here we go, verse 2. He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. It's just fruit, right? Um, for a branch cannot be fruitful. So there's a graduation there, unless you remain in me. And then verse 8, when you produce what? Much fruit, you are my true disciples. Much fruit means you can't count it. Much fruit means that you're laden down. Because fruitfulness comes from being continually connected to Jesus Christ. And we sometimes have the idea that being fruitful is something we do. No. Someone said it this way. You might want to write this one down. This is a goodie. Your success is only as sustainable as your source. Your success is only as sustainable as your source. You see, um, Bishop Garlington at Acts Conference preached on this passage a little bit. He touched on it. I was furiously writing notes. Um, he said this. He said, Um, You don't see or hear, if you walk through a vineyard, you don't hear fruit on the end of the vine going, we tried to produce. (laughs) Do you? Because it's not the fruit that produces itself. (laughs) The vine produces the fruit. We as the branches are just the bearer of the fruit. 
The fruit is just the evidence that we are connected. And what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? It's Christ-likeness. Because it would, it would make sense, wouldn't it, that if we're connected to the life force of Christ and who he is and his words, that as his life force oozes through us, that we actually become more like him. And I think on the next slide I've listed a few other things. We look and we act more like Jesus. His life and his character is reproduced in us. The fruit of the Spirit is reproduced in us. People around you will see dramatic change. The world will be drawn to you like a magnet. You know once you start eating grapes, like it's hard to stop, eh? Because it's so yum and eventually you're just left with sticks and you've eaten all the grapes. Because it's delicious. And that's what it's like in us. When we're fruitful, that's a, people don't want to eat us, let's not go that far. <laughs> but it's sweet and attractive. And it's hard for them not to be attracted to it. The other evidence of a fruitful life is in verse 7 and verse 8. In verse 7, where are the next slide? Hopefully. Maybe not. Anyway, carry on. Verse 7. But if you, oh, here we go. No, go the other way. Uh, one more? Oh no, go back. <laughs> okay, verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. One of the fruit is answered prayer. And it's not that God is a slot machine and that you can just say, I want a Ferrari, thanks. Front lawn would be great tomorrow. No. If you remain, if we are remaining in him and he is remaining in us, he won't be inclined to do anything outside of his will. You're not getting him, um, you're not getting him what we, we're not getting him when we, when we pray. We're not trying to get him to do what we want him to do. We're asking him to do what he promised to do. That's the difference. And in verse 8 it says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. Pastor Steve preached at the Acts conference about the glory of the house. You know, when God is changing our lives and transforming us as we stay connected to him, there is a glory that comes from that because we know it's not us that's producing the fruit. It is God that is doing that. And we just stay on the branch and go, glory to God. Look, there's a bunch of fruit on the end of me. Excellent. So when we're continually connected... CPR, CPR, the concept is, read it, remaining, oh louder, the concept is, the process is, and the result is, fruit, we have just done CPR on our faith, and the way I want to apply this today, I know this passage really well, and I have read it lots and lots and lots, I use it at my e-groups when I'm teaching people how to unpack the word of God because it's a really brilliant passage for that but there's one verse that's just like laser beamed out at me over the last few weeks as I've been preparing this and it's verse 5 the end of verse 5 where Jesus looks at his disciples and he says apart from me you can do nothing and now he turns to me and he turns to you and he looks directly at you and he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
say nothing. Say it again, nothing, nothing. You know, we all try sometimes knowingly, sometimes not, that's the trap, to do life in our own strength. And it doesn't mean you can't function. We can do all sorts of things without depending on Christ. We can raise a family. We can run a business. We can be active even as a Christian on that religious treadmill. And we can fill our days with busyness and the appearance of tremendous activity. But the bottom line is you're dependent on yourself. So the question I ask myself, because I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. What happens when we reach the end of ourselves? Our strength, our resources, our knowledge. You do everything you can to keep the appearance of everything being good, but in the end you come up empty. And it's like Solomon in Ecclesiastes who in the end tries everything, has the riches to try anything to try and fill that empty gap inside him. And in the end he says, meaningless, Meaningless, utterly meaningless. Solomon learned this lesson. Life without God is meaningless. And I want to tell you, life without being connected to Jesus Christ in the vine, in the end, will come up as meaningless. There's an old hymn that we used to sing in the church that I grew up in. It says this. I'm not going to sing it because I can't remember the tune, actually, but I remember the words. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources... Get that picture in your head. Our hoarded resources, when we reach the end of that, because we will, it's only as sustainable as the source. When we reach the end of our hoarded resources, He, God, giveth and giveth and giveth again. Bishop Garlington said this, without Him, there's nothing you can do that will have eternal value without being connected. He said this also, and this was like a surgeon's knife on my heart. God doesn't energize the unauthorized. Oh, God doesn't energize the unauthorized. God is waiting. He is calling us to continual connection in the vine. And we can bystand and we can watch our life slip away or we can do one thing that will be active. And it's with one simple, intentional admission. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. You know what I got up this morning? I was so tired. We had our year seven and eight formal last night, pre-teens, dancing with each other, you can imagine. I didn't get home till really late. And I was so tired this morning when when I woke up. And the first words, because this has been in me, as much as it's coming out to you, is, oh God, I can't do this without you this morning. I know I'm connected to you and I'm feeling weak and tired, but I know I'm connected to you. Will you pour your strength into me today? Will you, will your life force, will the power and the energy that you have, will will you just give me what I don't have in the physical today? 
to do what you've called me to do. I can't do this without you. I can't. I can't do this without you. I can't see my notes right now. But it doesn't matter. I know what I'm going to say. Would everyone stand? leak doesn't hurt anybody. If you're comfortable doing it, would you put a hand or two in the ear? I can't do this without you, God. I can't do my life without you. The very first connection that we all need is to be connected to Jesus Christ for the first time. Is to say to him for the first time, Jesus, I need you in my life. I can't do this without you. Maybe you've been connected in the past. Maybe you were in a church as you grew up that was pretty religious. And you know that that religion just brought death to you. And Jesus is calling you today, not into religion, but into relationship and connectedness with him. He's calling you to come back. And God is so gracious. He doesn't slam you for the time you've been away. He just graciously grafts you back into the vine where life is found. So this morning, If you want to ask Jesus into your life and be connected to him for the first time, or you want to reconnect yourself because you know you've walked away, you've ripped your branch out, would you just raise your hand so I can see it? Just raise it high so I can see it, so I know who we're praying for. Thank you. I see lots of hands up and around. Wonderful. So just pray this prayer after me. We're all going to pray it together. Dear God, I know that my sin has put a barrier between you and me. Today, I want to get connected to you. Thank you for sending your son to die in my place. I trust in you alone to forgive my sins and I accept your gift of eternal life. Will you come into my life and be my saviour and the Lord of my life? Jesus, help me to begin to let your life flow through mine. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's celebrate. If you made a decision today, go to the black tent after after we've finished. Someone will be there to talk with you. So that leaves the rest of us. You might be connected to Jesus. A lot of you are. I know that. But there might be blockage. It might not be flowing as, as freely as it could be. 
And so this morning, if you know that there is a blockage in your life, there might be some pruning. You're going to have to open yourself up to those pruners, secretaries this morning. You know there's things in your life that need pruning away so that you can be as fruitful as you want to be. I just ask, just put your hand on your heart. Just put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I, I, I want to live in the fullness of what you have to me. I know I'm connected to you, but there's blockages, God. There's things that I, that I don't have that I need. And as we sing, I just, I'm not going to pray this one. I want you to talk to God yourself and say, because you know what it is. And you just say, God, I just, I just want you to cut away anything in my life that is stopping me from having that beautiful life force of Jesus Christ running through my life. I want to be fruitful. I don't just want to bystand and watch my life erode, watch my faith just erode into nothing. You pray. You ask God, I can't do this without you. Maybe that's where you start. I can't do this without you. Just say it. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. And we're going to sing. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. 